Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Eyewitness News Live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka, Accra. My name is Salom Adonu and I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. Coming up over the next 90 minutes. Government here to complete houses for APAT explosion victims one year after disaster. Meanwhile, mining sector CSO alleges lack of transparency in government's handling of the findings of the committee set up to investigate the incident. We ask, how are the victims coping one year um, later? Still on Eyewitness News, latest poll shows the race to lead the MPP is a dead heat among MPP voters as Dr. Baumia loses his slender lead he enjoyed over Alan Chermantin a few months ago. Also coming up, private health insurance providers or private health facilities threaten to withdraw service to NHIS card holders if government does not clear their nine-month IREAS. Stay with 97.3 City FM for more on this and other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. Association of Rural Banks call for the suspension of the debt exchange program. There is more later on business eyewitness news is live across the country on all our affiliates and around the world at citynewsroom.com your comments are welcome via whatsapp line 0549-986-996 you can follow me on twitter at selom i don't know the hashtag as always is city newsroom nashika gives us our first story the Apiati community is today commemorating one year since dozens of people lost their lives in an explosion the incident wiped away the entire community and left hundreds of residents injured. Some are still receiving treatment in various facilities, while others who have been left with permanent injuries are still reeling from the effects of the accident. Here is a report of events from Apiate over the last one year. A year ago today, several residents of Apiate who were going about their normal activities were caught up in an explosion that claimed the lives of dozens. Reports indicated that the explosion was as a result of a collision between a motorbike and a truck carrying explosives. Many residents were left displaced by the incident and have since been relocated to make way for the reconstruction of the entire community. The Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, arrived the following day in Apiate to inspect the extent of damage caused by the explosion. Government subsequently imposed a $6 million fine on Magzam Ghana Limited, the company at the center of the explosion. The Minister of Lands and Natural Resources, Samuel Abdelajinapo, at a press briefing on the matter, also set out 14 conditions to be met by the company before the restoration of its operating permit. 16 people have lost their lives as a result of the explosion, 
and others are still nursing their injuries in hospitals a year on. A vigil was held last night to remember the departed souls. Today, a memorial service is being held with an observation of a minute silence. That report was filed by City News' Zoe Abu Beduado. Now let's go to uh, the Apelte community and speak to the Deputy NADMO Director for the Pristia Huni Valley uh, area in the Western region, Louis Afo, to, to help us appreciate what the latest is in respect of the Apelte community and all the things that we promised to do for them. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Oh, good evening to your listeners and good evening to everybody. All right, so Louis Afo, you are deputy uh, NADMO director for the Pristia Huni Valley area. Um, yes. It's been one year since uh, this incident occurred. What can you tell us about the state of the community? Okay, once again, good evening to uh, honorable listeners. Um, it's been one year. Today marks exactly one year. Uh, last year, by this time, we were in the rush of... Uh, taking them from the their towns to the parish hall where we kept them for the night and uh, we were there for a week. Um, as I'm speaking, their life has been better somehow because uh, uh, it has not been easy. It's just moving from your own house to uh, another place or even take a little time before you've been able to uh, the environment will suit you and just like that a day then uh, you lost everything then you start life again it has not been easy but uh, as for uh, the uh, livelihood empowerment uh, organizations like IOM GIZ and the Red Cross supported them and what people gave us as a donation also we have uh, giving them, and uh, people are uh, moving on. Uh, just that, as I'm saying, it, it, it has not been easy. But uh, I can say we are managing. We are managing. We are managing here. I, I see. So so in just one day, like you said, their entire livelihood destroyed. Uh, so did you set them up to start life again, or you just give them handouts on daily basis? How is it like? Okay, in the beginning, uh, we were feeding them because they were not having homes and where to cook and everything. But I think after a week, uh, the donations Ghanaians gave us and uh, uh, my organization, NADMO, came in to bring us uh, good support for them. We started sharing food for them. So as for, as for food, from that time, uh, we've been sharing the raw food for them and they started cooking on their own. Initially, we were living in tent, which was donated by Red Cross, Gofield, Ghana Limited, uh, uh, World Food Organization, and uh, 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 IMF and uh, other organizations. UNICEF was part. But um, because tent was not having long life uh, time, uh, the ministry as the uh, committee met uh, FGR who were having uncompleted houses and uh, it was a, a proper negotiation then it was proof for them so we have moved them those in the tent all of them has moved already to the the various houses which is already in the news and uh, 
uh, with that, we pleaded to uh, people to come and support. So as for IOM, they came in to support their livelihood, whatever they were doing, like farmers. They supported 86 farmers with uh, equipment, which they can start something with it, with even the seeds of uh, whatever crops they want to uh, uh, plant. And uh, the, most of them are kinky makers. They gave out a, a bag of uh, maize, uh, saucepans, uh, uh, pots, and other things to them, which they also started live with. Uh, Sintress received machines, uh, hairdressers received dryers, and uh, so forth. And uh, uh, Red Cross came in with the physical cash uh, through uh, 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 Momo, and they did the registration themselves, and each household received a sum of amount to start something. And uh, uh, because uh, uh, it's a farming community and trading community, people are, have moved on um, with their own life, which we are still supporting them with uh, the needs of whatever they want if we have it in our stores. Because I am the camp manager, and whatever uh, donations we receive, we kept it in the uh, uh, store, which is in the site we are living, and we have time to meet them and discuss what they will need, then we share for them. A health post is there, so uh, out of the 19 pregnant women, which last year by this time, they were in the community. All of them had delivered with one having twins. Uh, as at that time, uh, we uh, we took them to the, the uh, nearby schools, which it came out that uh, 56 uh, children from age 6 to 15 has not been to school before. We registered them. The SHS students also who were uh, about to enter, we pushed them to school. And now the SHS student who just uh, uh, completed, we have the student who, which we have three best students who are having uh, uh, A1s in both math and uh, science, and uh, uh, we have tertiary students here. We are managing the whole situation because uh, our PHA people, was was was, was uh, one of the victims we ha we, we we were uh, I mean which we were not uh, 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 like having hope for some of them because some of them were seriously injured and up to date out of the 496 injured people at the day. Um, now we have systems which are still receiving treatment from various hospitals, but two cannot work still, uh, which they are not from the community because the incident happened on the highway. So uh, most of them uh, who lost their lives were not from the APAT. But as for APAT people, uh, 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 they are doing good. I can give them let's say 80% out of 100 as how they are living. I see. That appears like a, a lot of work you, you, you've been doing over the period. But how many people in all are we looking at? How many people in all um, are you as NADMO taking care of in the community? How many people are even in the community? As uh, Apart from the 19 children 
children which they are not up to one year, so we have not added them to the data. Their total population is 1,036, and we are having 363 uh, households. 1,036 okay. is the population, and 63 households is what we are looking at there. So, in, in essence, 1,036 people were affected by the explosion, one way or yes, the other. Yes, and, yes. and out of this, so this 1,036 can be put into 363 households. Yes. We, we understand that government is uh, trying to use the resources it generated, you know, from the good people of Ghana and elsewhere to put up buildings for them. How many buildings in all are we putting up for these people? Uh, let me say this before I, I can talk about the buildings because uh, uh, you all are helping and you have done a good job to whatever question you ask. Though I'm not part of the uh, reconstruction uh, 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 committee, but I'm part of the relief committee, which is taking care of them. But the reconstruction is going on here. So whatever is going on here, I can see. So what I am saying is what I'm aware is going on. The APT community was divided into two. The core area, that is where we were having the muddy houses, which all of them collapses. So with that houses, we are building 120, uh, uh, four, 126 houses. That is the core area. That is what we are working on now. And the uh, minister came here. Honorable Abu Jinapo was here uh, early this year. Uh, Honorable Benitubio was here two days ago, which will be coming uh, Sunday to be part of the uh, Thanksgiving service. And he assured the community that uh, now we have moved to a year. Uh, very soon, the second phase of the project is also going to start. That is the renovation of uh, the uh, the houses, like which was destroyed by the explosion. Let's see, uh, just the roof was destroyed. They are going to look at that one for the people to have their uh, uh, community back. So as for the new buildings, they are six, which contractors, six contractors are on site working. I see. So 126 for 363 yeah. households. And of course, you've explained that, you know, some of these, some of the destroyed houses were not entirely, you know, pulled down. Uh, some, yeah. for example, roofs, etc. But why yeah. haven't we done those ones, those low-hanging fruits, those ones which had just minimal uh, 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 issues. You know, why having to dealt with those ones for the people to move in them whilst we deal with the reconstruction proper? I, 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 I am borrowing the words of the minister uh, to you. That uh, government wanted to uh, put up a new uh, community a community. You see, those houses were muddy houses. Uh, 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 let, let me, Ghanaians to forget my word, village houses. So there wasn't any street, there wasn't toilets, there wasn't uh, any interval in it. And this is a green project uh, that uh, uh, government is doing. So some of the uh, 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 block houses were to pull down to get enough space to build the, uh, that in 124 houses. And that is one. 
Aside that, uh, looking at contractors working at the site and people are living there and so forth, it won't be easy for them to um, uh, uh, have the place uh, safe for working. And also, I think uh, they met them and discussed it with them that you are having your buildings alive. People's houses is down. So let's start with this. And when it gets to uh, a certain level, as it has now gotten to that level, and the minister has assured them they are going to bring contractors to uh, uh, start the DS uh, for them. Because uh, uh, they did a test to every house, and uh, I think a report went in. So uh, I think uh, that is how came uh, uh, they decided to start with uh, the the. the the core area because they wanted the community to be new because they are going to even build a market within the new community the town was not having school that fund has provided us with a kg block up to gss3 which i learned another uh 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 uh, 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 uh also has come in to build a modern market for them so the whole the new community it's a, 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 a whole thing that they have to see that the land over there, because looking at where those many houses, as I'm talking about, was, the land was not uh, adequate for uh, the new building. So I think that is why they, they, want, they wanted to start the, the, the core ones so that they will see where to build the others or how to do the renovation. I, I see. But what kinds of houses are these? Single rooms, chamber and hall, two-bedroom houses? What kinds of houses are these? We are building one bedroom to seven bedroom houses. And uh, if you are not... Uh, one having... bedroom to seven bedrooms? Yes. I, I see. So, yeah. So if you are not having... Uh, if you are just living in a single room without uh, anything... Now your single room is going to have your toilet, your kitchen, and your storeroom. Your toilet and bath, your kitchen, and your storeroom. That is one. I think uh, the contractor explained it to us, and uh, they, they have the numbers and the names of those, the owners of the houses. So, indirectly, people know where their houses are. But why yes, seven bedrooms? Right. Seven bedrooms. What, 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 are these supposed to be family houses or what? Seven bedrooms? Ye- yes, of course. Because they are indigenous. They are coming all the way from Central Region, Akoka and Soa, Ransa, uh, Komante and those areas. So they, they, are, they, were, they, they, they are settlers. So as they came in, most of the families were living together. And with these seven, room, uh, seven bedrooms, they were having, let's say, one kitchen eating from one pot. But uh, uh, with this, they are going to get, let's say, the seven bedroom. Each room has its own toilet and bath and everything inside, which they will live comfortably. Very well. When are we seeing? When are we completing this these buildings? They gave us a, a, a ten to twelve months. So as I'm speaking, uh, the first phase was to. Uh, have thirty percent completion. That is the the the, the substructure, and the thirty thirty percent they were expecting. The last time they came around, they marked them up to thirty five percent because 
all, all of the substructure has been done, which left with the, the superstructure. So uh, the supply of the bricks were uh, giving them problem because, because uh, through the incident, there wasn't lighting system over there. But now the ECG has restored it, let's say, the past three months, and I think the bricks are flowing now. So uh, after Christmas, all the contractors are back to site which uh, I, I've already mentioned that Honorable Jinapo came here to meet them. Honorable uh, Benito also came around. And uh, I can say uh, everything is moving on. The site is uh, progressing. So let us give our support to uh, uh, the committee and uh, commend them for the good work they are doing. As we are also doing a good job by letting Ghanaians know today mark exactly one year and the uh, city news has been with us throughout and the, the, the needed support you have given us. So, site is okay. Thank you very much, Louis Afo, Deputy NADMO Director for the Pristia Huni Valley area in the Western region. He was giving us an update on uh, the situation at the Apiate uh, community. And if you recall, exactly one year ago, uh, an explosion uh, believed to have been caused by a collision between a vehicle transporting explosives. Uh, to a mining site uh, and uh, a tricycle, uh, you know, occurred and quite a number of people died, 16 the number is, and the truck that was involved in that explosion was heading to the Chirano uh, Gold Mines. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Still on this matter, Human Rights and Environmental Mining Advocacy Group, WACAM, um, has been saying quite a number of things on the way government is handling the investigations or the findings from the investigations carried out on the Apiate explosion. Don't go away. We'll tell you more. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Uh, we are still on the Apiate matter. And now, uh, Human Rights and Environmental Mining Advocacy Group, WACAM, is accusing the government of not being transparent about the findings of the committee tasked to probe the circumstances that led to the Apiate explosion. Government constituted a three-member committee to investigate the explosion, but the committee's report has not been made public yet. As of today, or as today marks the one-year anniversary of the explosion, the uh, WACAM has been uh, saying that it's in the public interest that the report be made public. Executive Director of uh, the group, um, WACAM, Daniel Owusu, joins me to help us appreciate really what, what their concerns are. Hello, good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. Hello, good, good evening. Thanks so much. Yes. Um, the, yes, g government investigated the thing. I'm sure government is really working with the report. Why do you say that there is no transparency in, in what government is doing? What do you expect government to do, to, to share the report and that will be fine? Um, we, we, we think that, the, as um, you mentioned, that the, this issue is of public interest. 
And then the report has been issued, I think, many months ago. And we thought that um, once the reports have been um, submitted to the appropriate um, ministry, it shouldn't take much time for the public to to know what is in the report. So we we thought that the today marks the one year of the incident, and it is very necessary that we draw attention to the fact that it is very necessary for even in the interest of the people of Apiati for them to know what actually happened. The probably the um, the kind of enforcement lapses and the uh, the inability of the company to respect the laws of this country and all the other issues must come out clearly, you know, for the people to know. Because they were they were just living peacefully in their in their village, and this occurred to them. And we we actually expect government to actually dispatch on this matter. And it is in the interest of you know even government itself, you know, that it clears the you know, the, the doubts um, because the longer it delays, the more people would keep guessing as to what is the reason why government is keeping, you know, the people in darkness on this matter. Well, what's your suspicion? Why, why do you think uh, that the report hasn't been made public yet? Um, the, I wouldn't call it a suspicion as such, but we keep asking ourselves what should be the reason for the, for the delay. We, that, that, is, that is something that we, we, we are wondering. We will set up a committee to investigate something which was, is of very serious public interest. And then you get a report, and then people are get kept in darkness. And this is a report um, that would clear a lot of doubt because um, we, we, we are trying to find out whether Maxim violated some of the the... the Regulatory principles within the the uh, LI uh, 2177. Um, uh, so it is very necessary, and it's also in the interest of the people of Apiati. Because if some people would like to take the company on, it is their right to do so, and it's also it shows a certain level of seriousness you know, that government attaches to what actually happened. Because if I'm, I'm staying in my village and all of a sudden my whole life is totally overturned by something that has happened, and I keep wondering, you know, what actually has been the causes, had there been some infraction, and my right to be able to take some decisions gets delayed. I, I, we don't, I don't think that is, it is good to keep people in suspense like that. And that, that is why on this occasion where we are marking the one year, Wakam decided to first go on the ground and find out what is happening to the people and what are the issues that can come out and call, use that as a basis to call on government to actually dispatch on this matter. So when you went on the ground, what, what did you find? Um, the report... Uh, uh, the the The... The report that we launched today indicates clearly that there have been very serious negative impact on, on the people of Apiati, health impact, disorientation of their lives, 
destroying of their properties, their buildings. And the most important thing is that people in this, people in such communities um, live their own lives and they live in dignity. And now it looks like um, if you put people, people are compelled to live in tents for, for, for a long time, and they have a certain disorientation, they don't know what is going to happen to them. Some of them um, have been sick. Uh, the accident uh, created a lot of problems for healthfulness for them. And they are still battling no trauma and, and all those things. And in the midst of all these, they also do not know actually who caused what and what, what were the reasons for what happened. They have to be thinking about it. It is not right. And that is why government has to come out very clearly as to what is in the report. But have you applied so, Have you applied for the report? I mean, now there are instruments you can use to uh, not I, compel, I, but to, 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 to get the report. So have you applied as a, a civil society I, organization operating I, I in that think, space? Yes, I think your, your representative in the, in, the, in the meeting today might have briefed you that the researchers, the efforts they made to get a report, and then um, they were not successful. But on the other hand, look, such, such a very important report of public interest. Now, in the world today, you can easily put such reports on the website, and everybody will get it. You are published. You see? But they made, the, 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 the people do a who were the consultants for, for this research made a lot of effort and they didn't get it. I see. All right. So so we, we are grateful for your time and we, we hope that government has heard you and government will do what is is important to 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 get a document out. Um, I'm sure we will keep the pressure on yeah, thank you. government yeah, thank you very will, much will release the, the for, document. For the support and the interest in this in this issue. You're welcome. Thank you so much, um, Daniel Owusu-Krantin, Executive Director of WACAM, which is a human rights and environmental mining advocacy group. They are calling for uh, the release of the investigative report. Government set up a three-member committee when the incident occurred to investigate uh, the matter, and that has since been done. A, a report has since been presented to government, but the point is that report has not been made public. And the point Wacom really is making is that the matter uh, generated a lot of public interest, and so uh, the public deserve to know, and the people themselves who have been affected uh, deserve to know. Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. Uh, Nashika gives us some more stories. Right, the Private Health Facilities Association of Ghana is calling on government to pay its members over nine months of arrears for services rendered under the National Health Insurance Scheme. According to the group, the outstanding arrears is having a dire impact on their members as well as health care delivery in the country. The association fears the NHIS card may soon become worthless as health facilities may return to the cash and carry system. Speaking to City News, the Vice President of the Ghana Private Health Facilities Association of Ghana, Samuel Bwachidonko, urged the government to release all monies accrued from the collection of the NHIS levy to the National Health Insurance Authority for onward disbursement. 
All right, let's speak to Samuel Boachidonko, who is the Vice President of the Private Health uh, Facilities, that association that is calling on government to pay them their arrears. They say government owes them nine months in arrears of services provided NHIS card holders. And they are saying that if government doesn't do so, the NHIS card uh, may be rendered worthless because when holders of the card get to the hospitals, they will not be attended to. Good evening, sir. Welcome to Eyewitness News. What really is the situation with uh, your IRES? How many months exactly uh, are your members owed? Thank you very much. And I greet, <clears throat> excuse me, I greet everyone in this country. Um, what has actually triggered this whole issue is that we just saw on the Ghana web and other social media channels that the major says the old service providers only four months. And that's what's whole this matter. The actual matter on the fact is that, uh, on the ground is that um, since last year, April, last year, February, and last year, March, some of us have never received, all of us have never received money. And so we all of you, why... All of you or some of you? All of us. Some, some of us from April, some of us from March, some from February. So next year is one year. No money. So we were wondering how and why the minister said we owe only four four months. And that if you want to bring this statement out, what you do is that you let our drug suppliers, the pharmaceutical companies, drag us to court, come after us, chase us for the money. As if we have been paid, we don't to pay them. So let's also come up to take this money. All taxes and then bills and other things, those we owe, they come, banks and other other people come after us teasing us for the money. What it is more painful is that some of us, we have not paid salaries for five months, six months. So when we hear, we, we say this, and a worker hears this on air, that means that you haven't paid. You don't pay the doctor, you don't pay the nurse, you don't pay other staffs. And that's what we don't want, we don't want to encounter. This thing, the media said, has triggered a whole lot of issues on us. Very, very big trouble for us. Meanwhile, on the grounds, we have not received any money. We have only received from up to April, up to March, up to May last year. And since then, I've been asking to you, no money has been paid. So how will it be four months? Normally, when when the minister or or, uh, officials of the NHIS speak on on this matter, they deal with the general situation. So could it be that the situation you are painting, that some of your members haven't been paid uh, since March, April last year, this 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 may not be the general situation. Of course, there are always instances where uh, or people who who are not the general situation. Maybe somebody hasn't submitted the claims on time. Somebody has some job to do in order to qualify for payment, etc. But perhaps generally, the scheme only owes you know four months. It's very very wrong and untrue. It's very wrong and untrue to say that, and it's never true. You are four months. Now, what happened is that formally, we are submitting the claims manually. And I give all the credit to Dr. Goboy. When he came, no manual submission of claims again. We all submit, he came. So once you submit the claim, it's vetted. Everything is done. So if that's the case, then we're going back for the NHI Act and their laws and their rules. They themselves, their laws. Four weeks after submission of claims, we must be paid. Four weeks. 
four weeks after the summit claims, we must be paid. Because we're doing the manual claims, and we agreed that the manual vetting takes a lot of time. We took it back, we took it to three months, 90 days. But the 90 days is never their rule and their law. It's never in their act. It is the four weeks which is in their act, which they are supposed to pay us. So what they are saying is untrue, and it will never be true. Even if I'm saying that, from May up to January 2023, if you take a four month out of it, and you take a three month out of it, even that one, any four months you ask, what are you talking about? What are, what, what are you saying? If those who are saying yes, they have not received salary from last year up to date, would they still be in the office? Would they still be in the office? And how will you run a health system? So a system which saves life. In that, when somebody submits claim, it takes a year, six months, eight months to, to pay the person. And how do you want the, the provider to provide quality service and uh, free service? How would they save life? How, how possible can it, be, can it be that the health facility hasn't been paid for six months, even two months, even two months? When you don't manufacture cotton, you don't manufacture drugs, you don't manufacture, you don't do anything, you only use the products from pharmaceutical companies. Are they for us? Yeah, for us. Yeah, but, but how how many are your members? I'm talking about thousand three hundred and fifty private health facilities across Ghana, and everybody is collapsing. We are all folding up because we can never, we can no longer hold the system again. We can't hold the system. We so can't hold it. How much does government owe your members? Have you sat down to look at the 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 figure? Have you put the figure? together how much Ghana I mean government owes your members do you do you have a you figure see, in mind yeah I don't have the figure I don't have the figure I read really in terms of the month that you have been paid because it's different from every facility in a claim they submit to any time and some of them you don't see you are not paying to it so maybe A will submit about maybe hundred thousand B will submit about sixty thousand this submit about ten thousand and go and that's right but we deal with the number of months that you haven't paid us that's what we 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 deal with I I see, uh, and of course, government will pay. I'm sure you know uh, when when I'm sure the, the, the NHI is listening, and and they'll they'll take steps. We to don't pay. have issue with the NHI. Yeah, of course, course but but the contract the contract is between you and the NHI. Yes. We, we all know that government must release money to the NHI before yes. you are paid. So so yes, we know that, and and I'm sure the the powers that be are listening, and 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 the writing will be done. But of course, you are also not without blame. The NHI times with that number has also complained. That you you take money from their members, they present the card, you accept the card, you 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 build the NHIA, but you still take money from the people, and that is actually what is weakening the confidence of the people in the scheme. Boss, why won't you take money when you are buying a drug on the market ten cities and NHIA is paying three three cities? Why won't you take money when you are doing a surgery? You have a surgery at the theater, and that surgeon is taking thousand five hundred instantly. NHIA is paying for that same surgery four hundred cities. Why won't you take money when NHI has over reinvest you for almost a year? Taxes are on you. Taxes are on you to pay. You buy you, you have to buy lights and water. Why won't you take money? Why won't you take money when NHI and government have over their part of the whole contract? Why won't you take money? But the, the contract yes, you, you mentioned contract, but but the contract we are talking about the contract uh -huh. excludes or the contract abhors co payment. So so uh -huh. you taking co payment. 
will be in uh, breach of the contract. Is that not the case? But did, did the contract says they will pay us in a year? Is it written in the contract? Or is it written in the contract they will pay us within four, four, four weeks? You see, the whole blame should be shifted on government. If government to do it, uh, I mean, to play his part or her part, well, I promise you, no facility will take a co-payment. Because one, once you did a co-payment, your client base reduces. I don't know whether government has seen that and they are, that's why they are, they are not paying us so that nobody comes to our facility and we submit a, a, a smaller claim. That's where some, some, some of us, our things are going. Because if you, if you start taking the top up and the equipment, client base zero, nobody fits the, the, the facility. So you'll be there and nobody comes. And I'll speak to you now. You first of all, the facilities, you don't get some of us, even don't get 10 clients a day or because of top up and equipment, which we want to stop. But how can you stop? You can't stop because I was just buying Pastamon tablet last year, February, January as I speak to you now, 45 cities. As I speak to you now, I am paying 130 cities for the same box of Pastamon. Meanwhile, NITR has never increased their tariff. I am buying Pastamon syrup, 10 cities, 11 cities, NITR is now, as I speak to you now, any time is paying three cities and coins. So how would you take money? Every drug, every non-drug has gone up more than 100%, as I said to you now. So how will you buy a drug at a very expensive uh, 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 price on the market? And government pays that make out to you. What are you doing there? Are you doing business? Is it philanthropic, please? Are you doing business already what? I, I, I see. Come, even the government facilities are taking money. That's why the government facilities are taking money everywhere. Go to Kolebu. I sent an infant stay or PD with any task card. I paid 70 point something. And I was fighting there. An infant, three months baby. I must have took the person there. I had to pay for the OPD with any task card. How? Then you go to the private facility and the person taking 10 cities or 5 cities. That one becomes a crime. How? Go to all the government facilities in this country and show me one facility who do not do government. Who do not do government? Just show me. Ask me that. Just show me. Who? But you see, the, the, this co-payment disadvantages the, the holder of the card because for him, he has paid his premium and he expects to get the service as advertised when he comes to your place. Now, because you have issues with uh, your, your partners, you visit that frustration on him. That is not fair on him. No, that's not fair. I'm telling you, it's not fair. But we cannot survive if we don't do that. We can't survive. No facility in this country can survive with that co-payment and top-up. No. Unless government gives us realistic tariffs and then prompt payment. And prompt payment. But how, how about how, how about you opt out of the arrangement if it's not helping you, rather than staying in there and breaching it and frustrating, you know, the Good. innocent members of the public? Good. That is the issue. All of us wish to stop, but saving life is the key. If in a car, I don't see you may say that in a car because you be a car. Some people may have money to pay, but come to the hinterland and you see what is really, really on the ground. Somebody comes to the facility even to, to buy a porridge to take drug is a matter. It's a, it's a problem. You have to even buy for the person. 
But the, these are the same persons you are taking the money from. So how are they paying then? The same person yes, who cannot yes, buy yes, porridge yes, to take medicine. So you still take money from him. Some people have to pay. Others do not have to pay. That's like this. So if you want to opt out there any time, where your, your, your facility is, you see people trooping in coming with a card. And then they, if you reject them, they, they, they screw away. Somebody goes home and die. Isn't also the isn't it also the case that the NHIA, you know, contributes massively to your IGF? That is the reason why you can't opt out. It's one. That's a fact. It's one. It's one. But saving life is our key. Saving life is key. That's why some of us are still in the NHIA. We haven't stopped. Like, what, what is going on in the country? Who would love to be on? Who would love to be there? Nobody would love to be there because it's a serious difficult business that I don't think every businessman would love to go there. You can't. You as a, as a sedar, you, you are interviewing me. If you give you one person to handle for just a month, you, you bring it back to us. I'm telling you, you can't because you have to buy drugs every day. Those things are usable. You use ones, they are gone. Where are you going for money to buy another ones? Drugs are gone a day, light, everything. At the end of the month, the workers are on you for their salary. Where are you going for the money? The chunk of the money has gone to it. Any time before they give it to you, the money has even the the value. But saving life is our key. What those of us in the villages, if we come there, that's that's why when the government and any time they are not appreciating what some of us are doing, it cuts my heart. Because if we come here, you see the way we are struggling, probably to save lives, and still they don't want to pay us. Us it's something else. It's I something see. Else. So what are you going to do something next? Else. Well, what are you going to do next? Today, we've got information that by, by next week, they will give us one month, in the two months, one month, one month. And when they give it to me, I don't know whether I'll give it to Tobinko or I'll give it to Laspa or I'll give it to whoever because we owe them a lot. Plus, our workers, they are there. Or I'm going to give the whole month to Smith. The one month even give you, gives you a headache. So we are, we, we are still conducting them. If I don't talk is a very nice person, he's always struggling to pay us. Just that the money doesn't come to him. Once he get money, he'll pay us. So we always wait with him and he has assured us that by next month, some payment will be coming. we we'll wait for what he has said. If it doesn't come, maybe we may take another decision. But we want to take our news that government is not owing us for four months. That's untrue. That's the, we, the government owes us from last year, April, May, up to date. We haven't been paid. That's the way it's now on account and we are really suffering really suffering very well really suffering thank you so much samuel boachidonko vice president of the uh private facilities private health facilities uh, uh using the nhi or who accept the nhis card eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm uh will take a short break return and deal with the latest polls that suggest that the mpp race uh, uh, is a dead heat among MPP voters as Dr. Baumia appears to be losing a slender lead he enjoyed over Alan Chermantin a few months ago. Don't go away. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
Eyewitness News on 97.3 City FM. A few of your messages uh, that have been coming through. Uh, Son of the Soil says the Pristia Huni Valley Deputy Nadmo Coordinator really deserves some promotion. Man is on top of his job and this sad apiate community issue is really rare, especially in this government. Kudos to him, um, you say. Nene uh, Gaddafi one tweets at me and says, it's so bad that government steps to build a PLT is delaying. Taxpayers' lives deserve better. Son of Sabu says, the man you just interviewed seemed to have a grasp of the activities in the Apiate enclave. Having heard such an interview in a long time, um, well, that's some plaudits coming in for uh, Louis Afo, who is a deputy and admo coordinator for the Pristia Huni Valley area. Uh, Daniel Akbaliok from Sandema said, this government is only good at promises, but cannot deliver. It's so sad that government has not been able to compensate the good people of Apiate after a whole year after the incident. Abdul Razak from Boku says, one year on, the community is still not completed. Where are the people living? Action speak actions speak louder than louder than words zalis doing in london says always talking no action all right eyewitness news uh, 97.3 city fm we'll take the city business news after that we'll delve into point blank with the latest polls on alan and baumia nashika has business Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. The Association of Rural Banks is calling on government to suspend the debt exchange program. City Business News has gathered that the Association of Rural Banks has officially written to the Finance Ministry for the program to be put on hold. Individual bondholders are also asking government to completely exempt them from the program and find money in the 20. 23 budget through expenditure cut to pay them. The program is being launched to put the country's debt on a sustainable path. The debt restriction will see a slash in the interest payment for the domestic bondholders to 0% in 2023 and 5% in 2024. A joint committee was established by government as part of continuous engagement with domestic creditors to sign onto the debt exchange program. The Christian Council of Ghana has also recommended a total suspension of the modality while advising for broader consultation. The deadline for signing up for the program has been fiercely resisted by stakeholders and has been postponed by the government several times. Moving on, the Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana, Samson Asakia Wingobet, is calling for improved standards in the ports transactions in the country. He explains that the shipping authority in Ghana can take a cue from the new standards from their Nigerian counterparts who have reduced their inspection team of arrived vessels at the ports. Speaking on the sidelines of the Maritime Stakeholder Conference held in Accra, Samson Asakia Wingobet said this will reduce corruption at the ports. Then, of course, the posted control officers, so for that matter, in the local chapter here is Ghana Maritime Authority, and our immigration officers, our custom officers, those who went, go on board to inspect, uh, it's just taking 45 minutes. Apart from 45 minutes, if you want to exit, they are saying that you must write, report why you, you are on board to inspect a vessel. That takes you more than 45 minutes. And, and, and so these are, and, and that's reduced drastically time. So meaning vessel owner will no longer be complaining, certain charges imposed or slapped to cut importers 
by some shipping lines, uh, administrative charges, cleaning of container artists, it's also becoming a problem for adding up to the cost of doing business in our port here. But I think that this initiative that Nigerian government has instituted, I strongly believe that we need to also uh, implement same in Ghana here, so that at least if the crew members or if the vessels come in, they shouldn't go through this kind of back and forth, and, and if the vessels come in, they will, they will no longer, if you get to Ghana, they are honestly you, as compared to Nigeria has done. So I strongly believe that what Nigeria has done, we will need to emulate and learn from them, and that will help go a long way to help, to help us in trade facilitation. That was the Executive Secretary of the Importers and Exporters Association of Ghana, Samson Asakia Wingobet. Now, the Minister of Finance, Ken Ufuriata, is urging the Ghana Revenue Authority, GRA, to put in more efforts to increase the country's revenue. He noted that government is currently generating 13% revenue to GDP, which ranks as one of the lowest in the sub-region. The Finance Minister encouraged the Ghana Revenue Authority to do more this year, despite exceeding its 2022 revenue target. He made this statement when he inaugurated an independent tax appeals board at his office today. I think the question really is what has been our experience so far. And is it better for the Ministry of Finance to be doing it or GRA to be doing it? Uh, And now you have a dedicated team. I think that will make a difference in that. I mean, you did speak um, on the other question about GRA exceeding their target. And that is very encouraging um, for us uh, as a future. That's still uh, 13% or so um, of GDP. And we need to move um, to um, 18, 20%. Um, And that really, if we were to look at our GDP of 800 million, that would mean that I'm looking for 160 billion as opposed to 106 billion. Um, But we are in a really good trajectory. And I'd like to congratulate GRE for that. Um, So... Clearing um, um, assignments that they do not need to do um, will really free them and to focus on the work that they will do. Well, they surprised us last year, and I'm expecting that that will be the new culture that will continue. Also, really, with the increased digitization, and that will make a difference um, in terms of the targets. Ken Uforiata there. Now, Director General of the Interest and Governance Authority, SIGA, Edward Boatin, has stated that his outfit would not hesitate to hold back the budget of state-owned enterprises, SOEs, and specified entities that fail to meet the reporting requirements specified in the Public Financial Act. SIGA, in November last year, commenced the 2023 performance contract processes with specified entities. The process, which included performance contract pre-negotiation meetings, performance contract negotiations as well as the performance contract signing events were geared towards ensuring that SEs operated efficiently and profitably this year. The exercise was in pursuant to the SIGA Act 2009 Section 4B, which ensured adherence to the terms and conditions of annual performance contracts signed by SIGA with state-owned enterprises and other specified entities. In an engagement with the media, Mr. Watson said the move will ensure the SOEs act responsibly. Actually, that have never been taken before. Personally, what the chance to work around the world? Human beings don't like to be named in shape. I'm going to recommend to the Minister of Finance to hold their budget for 2022. 
So yes, here and last July we published, we published the names of all the entities, the geographic business and financial times, all the entities that did not meet the deadline submission of the management accounts. These are actions that have never been taken before. Personally, what the terms we work around the world. Human beings don't like to be named in shape. All the beneficiaries of this include the directors and my grandfather or grandmother. Always the reality. All of us have been beneficiaries of it. That was the Director General of the State Interest and Governance Authority, Siga Edward Watson. Away from that, the National Petroleum Authority, NPA, is cautioning the public to desist from doing business with some 30 oil marketing companies whose licenses were revoked recently. The NPA sanctioned these OMCs for non-compliance with the rules and regulations of the authority on the acquisition and maintenance of their licensing. Speaking to City Business News, the communications manager of NPA, Mohamed Kudus, warned that people who engage with these OMCs do so at their own peril. The National Petroleum Authority um, has been called to duty as required by its act to revoke licenses of 30 um, oil marketing companies, primarily for non-compliance to the infrastructure requirement expected by them per the MPA Act of um, 2005. The general public is therefore advised not to have any transaction with them in that particular regard. Failure to adhere to this caution and anybody who might go out on his or her own way to do business with these organizations or companies whose lenses have been revoked would have been doing so at their own risk. And the National Petroleum Authority will not take any responsibility at all. Mohamed Kudus is the communications manager of the National Petroleum Authority. Finally, the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Guta, is calling for the establishment of a shipping line under the AFTA to track the transportation of goods on the continent. The AFTA was implemented in a bid to remove trade barriers among member countries. But the president of Guta, Dr. Joseph Obin, believes that until the challenge with the timely transporting of goods on the continent Continent is addressed, the agreement may not be able to realize its fullest potential. Facilitation. Because um, um, if you look at the trade facilitation, we are talking about ease of doing business, cost of doing business, and time of doing business. And I think time of doing business is going to be affected by the inter-trade because of transportation. That you buy goods from Africa and it will take about three months before you get the goods, it's not going to help us. So the, the leaders of the continent should find as a matter of agency, put the resources together and get our own um, shipping lines. They, they have to do it if they, they are serious about this, that we have shipping lines in the west, in the south, and in the, in the east of Africa so that we can um, fast-track um, this trade because time is very essential that you buy goods from Asia and it comes within 
um, six weeks, and that you buy goods from neighboring countries, and it takes um, so many uh, months to come. Um, no businessman will be enthused because the capitals that we do business with, uh, we is a borrowed one, and the interest that we pay is also very high. That was the president of the Ghana Union of Traders Association, Dr. Joseph Obin. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Siza. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Twenty-two minutes to the top of the hour. You welcome to Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Salom Adonu. We have two matters to discuss tonight on Point Blank. The first one has to do with the global info analytics, which has made some interesting revelations in respect of polling they did for the MPP presidential primary race and a few other issues of national concern the poll was between December 31 2022 and 15th January 2023. The poll shows that Alan Kojo Tremantin and Dr. Baumea, who are the two leader, leading contenders in the MPP presidential primary uh, race, are neck and neck. The last time this poll was done, Vice President Bahamia was uh, a few points ahead of Alan Chermanting. Alan Chermanting, however, appears to be closing the gap, leaving Kennedy Ohine, Japan, in third place. Now let's talk to uh, Executive Director of the Global Info Analytics, authors of this particular report, to, to understand really what went into uh, this result. Hello, good evening. Um, uh, sir, you welcome to Point Blank. Busa Dankwa. Thank you very much for having me. Hello. Yes, I mean, interesting uh, results we, we are seeing here. First of all, uh, take us through what the sample size, how many people did you pull, and, and, and what was the spread of same? Okay, thank you again for having me. Um, this time around, we interviewed 5,844 voters 
across all the 16 regions in 82 constituencies across the country. And uh, we have a sample uh, margin of error of 1.7% and confidence level of 99% for the survey. And people were randomly in on the street, offices, homes, and everywhere in the constituency. You, you finished this, um, I mean, you did this work between 31st December 2022 and 15th January 2023. And on the 16th, if, 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 if my information is right, you, you came up with this result or this report. That was pretty quick. Yeah, we are, we get everything in real time. We don't do anything. We have a system that does everything for us. It's for us to be in the field, submit the data, and the report is already structured. So we are quite efficient in, in, in doing this. I see. And and a lot of the questions you asked were quantitative. Is that correct? Yes. They're all quantitative. So, so apart from the hard figures, I'm sure it will be quite difficult to, to prefer an explanation to some of the, the, the results we see. You see, there are other questions in the survey that provide uh, triangulation of the research or from the question. We may not have to ask you your reasons, but depending on the answers you give to us elsewhere, we could deduce using a cross tab to see exactly what you meant by making this option or this choice. I see. So, so now let, let's let's get into it, um, Dr. Baumia and and Alan Chamanting. You say are in a dead heat situation. Uh, however, in October of last year, I'm sure when you when you last did this. Uh, Baumia, Dr. Baumia was leading or had a slender lead uh, over Alan Chermanting. Uh What do you think is accounting for uh, the, uh, the, 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 the closure of the gap between the two? You know, that has continued from January last year. When Baumia was on 62% and Alan was on 26%. And in April, Baumia dropped to 48%. And Alan went to 41%. And then in July, Baumia dropped again to 44%. And Alan stayed at around 40%. So over a period, we have seen consistent drop in the polls by Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. And I think this is linked to the economy challenges that we are having right now. And I think that is hurting too. I see. So in essence, the longer the MPP waits uh, to conduct their primaries, uh, the the better for Alan Chermanting. Is that correct? I think that is correct. Uh, for those who say that, um, um, in fact, you know, there is a school of thought. Now, if you want to, if the fence is downward for the Mahmoud Bond, then it will be in interest that the 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 the, 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 the early. Because you can only really predict what's going to happen down the line. But if you are confident that the economy will pick up and the feel-good factor will return, then it will be in its interest to wait until the economy improves. So I don't know which option they would prefer. But at the moment, I think he must uh, have a way of stopping the, the hemorrhaging in the poll. Does, I mean, does the uh, the numbers pulled by Kennedy Ohineji Pond surprise you in any way? It doesn't surprise me because as soon as he announced his candidature in July, we haven't seen movement in the polling numbers. Indeed, that movement is coming from Dr. Mahmoud Baumia into the column of Kennedy Japan. If you look at the trend from from April to date, Alan has stabilized 
around 40, 41% thereabout. But Baumia decided. And the movement is from Baumia 10, or people who are saying that they will vote for someone else, now they are seeing Kennedy as the someone else. So he's getting capturing from Baumia supporters. I see. And you, you also um, try to do this against uh, the, 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 their major opponent. I mean, of course, it's, it's, more, it's very likely that John Mahama will be the one on the ticket for the NDC, even though they are here to uh, uh, go for Congress. Correct. So um, you, 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 when, when you did that, you realized that uh, in both cases, uh, Mahama appeared strong, you know, against any of the two contenders for the MPP. So, for example, uh, in the 2024 general election, your, your statement reads, or your, your executive summary reads, uh, in the 2024 general election head-to-head -head between Dr. Baumia and Mahama, the poll shows as Baumia cuts Mahama's lead from 62% in October to 58% in January. You also say that Mahama now leads 58% to 36%, a three-point improvement for Dr. Baumia compared to the previous poll. So one may, I mean, people may, may, may actually expect that given that we are having a tightening of the economic situation, things appear to be, to be, to be grim, people will not be happy with Baumia since he said a lot of things about the economy. They will, they will change the economy, Gottesberg economy into a modern day economy, etc. Things are not well, haircut, etc. Why should he be improving against Mahama, even though Mahama, you know, overwhelmingly beats him? Okay, I think the response can be seen from two areas of the service. If you look at people who said the country is in the wrong direction, it has dropped from high of 77 to 71. And people who disapproved the president dropped from 69 to 59%. Remember in December, there was a fear factor that the city was sentiment against the dollar. Petrol prices were falling. And then transport dropped a bit. That moment, provided a statistical not, these people kind of gave the government a bit of credit. And to some extent, Baumia took a bit of uh, advantage of that. So if you look at the national poll, in terms of who people uh, voted want to become an MPP, I think Alan dropped three or two percentage against Baumia nationally. But it is within MPP that he lost ground. So you could see the effect of the economic improvement in September having a positive effect on not only the president, but also Baumia in the eyes of the general voters. But it is just within MPP that they are losing kind of, uh, support, regional support. But so, so in, in the general race, for example, um, JDM leads by 58% to 36% for Baumia. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you look at Alan Chermanting, JDM still leads 57 yeah. to 39. Yeah. Um, Alan Chermanting appears to be doing better, even though it's almost the same, 38 and 36. Yeah. And, and of course, 36, 39, quite yeah, significant. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. What, you know, given the answer you've just provided, I mean, how do you situate yeah. this in the answer you've just provided? You know, as, as I mentioned, when the economy includes, the government pays the credit. And but so, the candidates of the ruling party take some credit. And there are other data points that you can point out for you to see. Even you look at people who are saying who are MPP who were initially going to win for NDC, 
has, has dropped. So you can see that politics kind of feeling. So this has given the MPP candidates a bit of uh, a bump. But as to whether this bump will be sustained, we will yet to see. Hopefully by October, uh, by April, we'll see the new poll and see where the numbers lie. And when you compare Mahama to Kennedy Japan, I mean, he, he, Kennedy Japan didn't do too, too, too bad. 63% to 31%. You know, that's, okay. that, that's not bad. Uh, I mean, given that no, he, he entered a race quite late. And, okay. um, Let me tell you something that has happened. The, the establishment in both MPP uh, who are backing uh, Dr. Bawamia and those who are backing Kala, they revolt against Kennedy in every race. They don't want somebody who they think is a maverick to lead the party, let alone the country. So when he, it is him against Mahama, even the MPP guys within Baumia and, and, and uh, Alan support go and vote for Mahama because of the I see. Uh, you also did something on breaking the eight. What, what did the people say about MPP, whether MPP is able to break the eight or not? That is, in fact, one of the interesting aspects of this survey we did. In fact, if you look at um, uh, breaking the eight question, we ask people whether they think the MPP can break the eight. And in October last year, about 70% said no, they won't break the eight. This time around, that number has declined to around 59. It's still high. But then the, the surprise is in the breakdown of people who voted for Orlando in 2020 and how they are voting right now. That is where you find out in, in the case of Dr. Mahmoud Bautia, if he's a candidate, he would only be able to attract 62% of people who in 2020 went for another. 31% of people who went for another in 2020 are now voting for John Mahama. And 70% of them said they will vote someone else. Now, if you look at John Mahama himself, 92% of people who voted for him last time are still voting for him again. 7% are causing Capex to vote for Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. And 1% said they would vote for someone else. So you could see that Dr. Baumia, if he's a candidate, has lost 31% of Nando supporters who have now gone to vote for John Muhammad. And the story is not so much different if it is Alan. Alan does slightly better. He, he attracts about 66% of people who went for Nando. But still, under Allah, he still loses 30% of Nalo support in 2020. So this is where you can see that the political age will be very difficult at this stage. So you are losing a chunk. And when it comes to a third-time voter, you're not winning them by landslide. So it should be gaining more than you are losing. At the moment, they are losing more than they are gaining. I see. That, that's 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 very very in, in, interesting. You also talked about uh, the uh, uh, how do you call it? Change, you you, you, de you dealt with the matters of e-levy, etc. But before that, if if the uh, campaigners or the the leaders of the campaigns of the two contenders, I mean two major contenders, Alan and Baumia are listening, maybe especially Baumia, you know, what should he be doing? Given that 
his lead is is being you know uh, uh closed i think you see baumia's problem is entrance of Japan in the race because people who are voting for alan are firm and decisive and they know what they are voting for but some people within baumia's block are not sure of him so it is those group that is losing to Japan. so he must find a way of stopping Kennedy from taking his people. As to how he does that, I don't know. The biggest threat to Baumia is not Alan. It's Kennedy Japan. And Kennedy Japan appears to be speaking the language. And of course, he, he doesn't also appear to have any baggage from the economic mess, we, we, we economic exactly. situation we, we exactly. find ourselves. But Baumia is, is neck deep into it. Indeed, he, he's, he's seen as the main architect of, of, of the economy because he chairs the economic management team. So anything that goes bad with the economy, people hang it around his neck. And also, uh, we see Alan Chamantin now trying to uh, distinguish himself, trying to separate himself a bit from the government, saying that, yes, he, he, he was there, he was part of the decision, but he could have done things differently if he was the man taking the final decision, trying to uh, separate himself from the bad decisions that have been made. But when it comes to the good decisions, he finds a smart way of associating himself with it. So, for example, the automotive, the automobile industry that, that Ghana is beginning to build, he takes full credit for that. That appears to be a good thing. He takes full credit for that. But when it comes to something that is not very good, he will say he's not, he wasn't the final person who took the decision. Baumia cannot really say this or you know it's, it's, it stands to be seen how Baumia will be able to uh position himself as his own man and also you know benefit from what the party he 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 belongs to or the government he belongs to you know you know has done i mean both positively and negatively i don't know what your thoughts would be around that i mean it's a very delicate uh situation he finds himself in i think um, he has to run as uh, someone of his own mind that he can take decisions. But at the moment, but the difficult thing is to disentangle himself from the from the government government. What we're saying is that the look at the approval rating of the president is almost identical to that of Baumia. And the disapproval of the president is identical to Baumia. So he is tied at the ship with the president. And the, I can see how he's going to be able to disentangle himself. Unless he does William Ruto, which I don't think is possible for him to do at this stage. <laughs> That's quite interesting. I'm not sure. He, he, I mean, the William Ruto situation will be interesting. Anyway, we, we, we thank you so much. But a quick one on the e levy. It appears that dropping the the, the rate to one percent hasn't made any significant uh, difference. Is, is that the case? That is the case. So we are likely to see the revenue levels because the last year being repeated. Hmm. I see. Maybe slight improvement, but not much. I see. From what we have seen from the voters, nothing has changed. And the key issues for voters, has anything changed exactly. in that area as well? The economy still remains the most important. Jobs, exactly. education, roads, petroleum prices, healthcare, taxes, corruption, water and sanitation, security, party person, others. Isn't it interesting that corruption that we talk about every day are rates quite, uh, I mean, it's, it's way down on the, uh, on the pecking order. So corruption doesn't matter to people anymore? Because there are bigger issues. 
the economy has tanked. There are no jobs. But maybe people are not able to link the effect of corruption on the economic tanking. The ones who become smart voters, I mean, they will realize that. But at the moment, it's not a burning issue on voters' minds. I see. Musa Dankwa, thank you so much for, for, for speaking to us this evening. Musa Dankwa is executive director of the Global Info Analytics. They conducted this poll that is suggesting that Alan and Baumia are in a dead heat in respect of the MPP presidential primaries. Indeed, they are 40% apiece. Kennedy Japan appears to be doing well from the back. He uh, is at 40 percent i think um so this is how we, we end today's edition of eyewitness news and of course point blank which has been live from our studios here at number 11 dr martin loop in adabraka in accra earlier you heard nashika caesar show produced by uh sami Wiafe and beverly in london technical assistance given by Dan daniel squashy my name is salom adunu uh, make a date with me tomorrow on the big issue up next is the guys with sports panorama have a good evening City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973. The city is alive on 97.3. It's crazy.